0: setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. Welcome to this episode of the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. I cannot wait to introduce you to Ilan Hutchinson. Ilan grew up in the Bahamas and came to the U.S. to go to college and graduate school at Howard University, and after working in schools and also another private practice, she decided to start a private practice of her own. Now, she's in demand. Her private practice could be growing, but she's decided to keep it on the smaller side so that she can spend more time with her 13-month-old son. One of the things that came up in this interview that I think is really important for us to talk about is her feeling that there's not enough attention to the fact that SLPs who are born outside of the US can have successful private practices. One of my main objectives for this podcast is showing people that private practice is possible for everyone. Now, not everyone should do it, but private practice is something that everyone can do. And there needs to be more diversity in this field, but also in private practice. Now I'll get off my soapbox because it's really important for you to hear Elon's story. We can all make it in private practice. I'm Jenna Castro-Casbon, speech language pathologist, business coach, and creator of the Start Your Private Practice system, And I'm on a mission to turn stuck SLPs into successful private practitioners. If you're tired of dealing with high productivity requirements, high caseload sizes, and low pay, it's time to take control of your professional, personal, and financial life and finally get the freedom, flexibility, and financial abundance that you deserve by working with private clients in your own practice. Join me here each week as I share tips, best practices, and inspirational interviews on the Private Practice Success Stories Podcast. If you're a private practitioner or one in the making, you're in the right place, so let's get started. So before we dive in, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? My name is Elan Hutchison. I currently live
1: in Charleston, South Carolina, and the name of my private practice is The Speech Toolbox, LLC. And
0: you're also on Instagram as?
1: Nally Jolie, which is, Nally is my first name spelled backwards, and it's my middle name, so Nally Jolie. Perfect. Do
0: you have a second Instagram account too?
1: Yes. Um, my business Instagram account is
0: The Speech Toolbox. So we'll say that again at the end, but listeners, I always like to, to tell people where to find the guest in case they want to follow you or send you a message or whatever. Okay. Let's talk about your early life as a speech pathologist. Tell us about what your early career was like in the field. Okay. Yeah,
1: perfect. I was fortunate enough to get a scholarship To go to undergrad, you know, in the States is what we call it, growing up in the Bahamas. I got a four-year scholarship to Amara College and I went to grad school at Howard University. Definitely like a a shock because I was kind of fresh off the boat, not really well-versed in the world around me. Graduating was a challenge because I was a, how can I say, I was on what was called an OPT. So I only had one year that I could have worked for. And trying to find somebody who would employ me as an OPT student was definitely a challenge in itself. But fortunately, I got a job in Virginia, the country part of Virginia. <laughs> Let me just say that. Let me just say that. Making a ton of money, but it just didn't kind of line up. But like I can say, very naive, very eager to learn, though. Uh, very excited. And then as time progressed, I found myself becoming very content. And almost mediocre. Yeah, that was kind of my first start in the transition in my earlier
0: years. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're in Virginia making somebody, was it like a travel company or something you work with? Yeah, it was like a contract company. Contract company. Okay. Uh, but you were kind of feeling like, eh, I don't really know about this. So right. what happened next?
1: Okay. So I'm in Virginia I'm trying to figure out my next step because I only had maybe like a month or two left. Fortunately, I was able to get a job in a school in Atlanta. Oh, my gosh. Working at this school in Atlanta was an amazing experience. It was very cultured. It was very diverse. I had never had such a a large case. so I think I had maybe like 65 kids. Or young adults, because this was a high school. Uh, But that's where I really kind of started to really dive into like continuing education, learning more about the field. I had a lot of teenagers on my caseload who had difficulty reading. And that really like kind of caught me off guard. And a number of them were undocumented immigrants. So we kind of were able to connect in a way that it was like, oh, wow, okay, I can really use. Kind of who I am and my profession to correlate in a sense. Well,
0: mm-hmm. and that probably really gave you a sense of or just feeling like you could really help them and understand them on a deeper level. Not just that you were, you know, helping them, you know, with reading and whatnot, but that you were really probably helping them on a much deeper level and having that feeling of of understanding.
1: Yeah, exactly, a hundred percent. I remember, like, I had one kid um, who wanted to get his driver's license, and he came back to me and he was like, Missylin. I can't get a driver's license. And I was like, why? You know, like, what's going on? I think we were working on like independence, or I can't remember the exact goal. He was like, because I found I'm undocumented. And literally, he sat in that office and cried. And I kind of like cried with, you know, it was, it, and that's why I think that sometimes, like, the profession, I didn't realize how much of a counselor, in a sense, you know, I felt like sometimes when they come in the classroom, it would be kind of an outpour of frustration in the classroom, whether it's like dealing with processing issues or feel like they aren't going to be able to graduate and so
0: forth. So yeah. And you loved the experience, it sounds like in Atlanta, right? At yeah. this school. And mm-hmm. so is that around the time when you started thinking about private practice or did that come later? Okay. So this is such
1: an embarrassing thing for me to talk about, but I think It's so instrumental for me to admit and talk about openly. I had moved to Charleston, met my husband, moved to Charleston, had taken a position as a part-time speech therapist with this lady who was exceptionally bright. I've never met a therapist, you know, as well-versed, as well-rounded, very knowledgeable Long story short, at that time I was very mediocre. I was like, oh, I'll just do, you know, the bare minimum in a session, maybe a little game. Just did not care at that point. Not as invested as I should have been. And basically she pulled me to office one day and she was like, you know, either we're going to go this road or we're going to go that road. And I remember just sitting in there and feeling like, hold up, wait, what's happening? Like, I've never not been the star player or not been a model student. And to have somebody tell me, either you improve yourself and whenever let you go, that was the turning point for me. And I emailed her after our meeting and I said, okay, thank you for everything that you have been able to, you know, provide me with. However, I think I am going to really just focus on myself because I wanted to not just improve myself for someone else's company, but to improve myself for my own. So that was a turning point.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yes. I love that, right? Because mm-hmm. I think that sounds like it was a really just eye-opening experience in terms of, you know, someone kind of, I don't know, maybe um called you a little bit on like level of effort or something or something like that, right? And then you were like, you know what? Maybe I am not giving my best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, and, and sometimes we have to admit that, right? There are plenty of times in all of our lives where we are maybe not giving our best attention or skill or drive or whatever, but we do get to make a choice, right? To, to change things, right? So it sounds like this was the crossroads where you decided to change things. So what yes. happened next? What happened next is
1: I imitated her you know, I kind of remembered that she would attend a lot of different trainings within a certain area. So I remember really reflecting and being mindful of, okay, what areas did I need to improve on? For example, my documentation was okay, but it could have been better. My structure, I never really used to do a whole lot of lesson plans. So I said, okay, let's go ahead and start doing that, going to different trainings just really understanding what i needed to align with to be a better speech therapist and then from there i think i think that whole process was maybe about a year a full year then in 2000 the end of 2017 was when i said okay i'll go ahead and start a private practice maybe just take on like five kiddos or so forth and then it just kind of grew and i was like in, in a month my caseload was Completely full, and I was like, what?
0: <laughs> "I was like, no, <laughs> I was like, it's too much, just too too quick, too quick." <laughs> well, there must have been a a, a demand for services in your yeah. area, right? There was a yeah. need in your community, correct? And also, the stars had just kind of aligned that were like, "Hey, this is actually like to confirm this is what you're supposed to be doing."
1: Right, and that's the emotional part for me. It was like. Oh my gosh, okay, so this is what I am meant to be doing. This is like, I actually felt like I had a purpose, like I was kind of like essential versus just kind of going with the flow and working and, you know, clocking in and stuff
0: like that. Well, because you had an opportunity to make a much bigger impact. Yes, much bigger. Mm -hmm. So, who were, what kind of clients did you, or I guess I should say, what kind of clients do you serve in your private practice? Like then now, so at the very beginning, it was a lot of
1: kind of like eleven. I think the youngest kiddo I had was about eleven months to three years old. A lot of baby net um, kids through the baby net program, and then as I started to kind of grow and evolve, it became more of adults in a what's it called like a adult daycare. Mm -hmm. So I have a really big caseload of adult daycare of individuals in adult daycare working on. Different things, whether it's social skills, that's a big area. I did not realize kind of the extent that social impairments can kind of go to, but that's kind of a big area. Uh, re, what's the word I'm looking for? I can't think of it. Reintegration? Yes, anxiety, yeah. uh, um, dramatic brain injuries, and the biggest population I have is kids and adults
0: with autism. Nice. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you're able to serve like a pretty Like wide, both variety of types of clients and then also ages too. Yes. But after I
1: had my son who is now 13 months, I realized that I couldn't, I could I couldn't do the babies anymore. Not because I love them. You know, it was just very challenging for me to really give them what they needed and also come home and, you know, do homeschooling with my son or whatever it may be.
0: Yes. Well, I think that's so true, right? Sometimes, because I I have kids too. And so when you all of a sudden are kind of working with kids and then you have your own kids, sometimes yeah. it is kind of challenging to, you know, to make sure you have the energy mm-hmm. for your own children after spending an entire day or a t- week, whatever, with the energy with other kids.
1: Correct. Yes, that's exactly how it felt. Exactly. And I think especially like being a new mom, I was like, oh my gosh, parenting is 10 times harder than I thought it would have been. (laughs) So yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm going to stick with the adults for a little bit. Because I know I could have given them, you know, my undivided attention. It was a little bit different sometimes working with adults, but also that's kind of what my experience was in for the
0: most part. Mm -hmm. Well, and that also highlights one of the great things about private practice is that you can make those kind of choices. Flexibility. Oh my gosh. Yes. Well, flexibility, like in terms of who you serve, in terms of hours, in terms of, I mean, all the things really. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I I think like sometimes
1: like that was like that, that realization and freedom. I was like, oh, okay, I can, you know, do this. Or one thing that I appreciated is that knowing if I'm not really good in a particular area, I can kind of refer this client out to maybe someone else. So I think it's a little bit better with treating a particular impairment. So I think that in itself was
0: like, oh, okay, realizing that I had the ability and power to do that. Well, because you want to serve the kind of clients that you enjoy working with, that you do your best work with, right? Yes. An- a client that you're going to feel like so-so about or or maybe mm-hmm. not be able to do your, your best work with. Maybe they would do better with, you know, another clinician, but then hopefully you're getting some networking and whatnot so that, you know, sometimes other clinicians might refer people to you yeah. that like, you will work better with than they would.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens. Like a hundred percent. It became kind of like a referral thing. Like, Oh, Elan, I know you're really good with this. And I'd be like, Oh, well, John, I know you're really good with this, but this, Do you mind taking on this person. So yes, a hundred percent. I get that.
0: I think that's mm-hmm. super important. Yeah. So what does the future of your private practice look like? You know, I know that now is a tricky time with coronavirus and everything, but, in general, what are you in the process of either like building or what do you what do you want your life to be like with your private practice? OK, so one thing
1: that I realized is when I after about maybe two years since my private practice, I felt like I was indirectly being pressured to like hire, 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 higher. And I'm like, I don't I just personally for me, I didn't feel aligned with doing that. I kind of felt like I wanted to go the opposite direction where it was like me focusing on maybe a product development or creating an assessment um, or creating a book or something of that nature, because I always wanted it to be something where I was able to establish it to a good, a great level, have a great system. However, also be able to spend time with my family. To me, that is like number one, like being able to be present with my husband and my son and, you know, us going little lunch dates, like all of those things. I feel like, you know, money can't buy, like I think experiences are are priceless. So I want it in the next five years, I want it to be a business that of course I'll eventually hire someone for, but I want my legacy in a sense, or my company to be more of a, distribution, more of like, you know, creating things like, like I'm a huge fan of Melissa and Doug products, a huge fan. So just some, something in line with that, maybe that's international, maybe that targets like the Bahamas, Jamaica, like Caribbean, all those different places. I think mm-hmm. that's
0: fabulous, right? Because you're also highlighting that just what well, we talked about flexibility earlier, but mm-hmm. that you can have the flexibility to have direct service, and either you know some people it's just them right they're like solo private practitioners some people do hire you yeah. absolutely do not have to hire right there's plenty yeah. of people who have no interest in hiring but if you're going to grow your company you have you have to do it some way right mm-hmm. like there's only yeah. so many hours in a day and especially mm-hmm. for someone like you who's really trying to balance family life with work life another way to earn more money and have mm-hmm. more of an impact without necessarily hiring more therapists is to like sell products, right? Right. Physical products or digital products or, or anything like that. But I think that's a great way to do it.
1: Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. And I think that kind of comes back to being raised in a single parent household and just always kind of feeling like, okay, I have to, you know, go to college, get a great job, make this money. But I don't think there was a whole lot of talk about okay, but you know, that is passive income. There is investments. There are other things that I can do instead of working, 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 working and being away from my family. So yeah. You're
0: really getting to choose your own adventure when
1: mm-hmm. it
0: comes to building this practice and this life that works right. for you and for your family.
1: Yes, 100%. When I first had my son, I was thinking, okay, how am I going to balance being a private practice owner and being home with him, or not really being home with him, but also being a present mom, and I was reading this book it, it has kind of a bad word in it, but the book is the book is called "You are a Badass at Making Money." <laughs> okay, like, yes, oh my gosh, And she said in the book, she was like, "You know, you can be a boss and an amazing mom. And I really like, I'm like, Oh yeah, I can. Right. Like I can have kind of both of those. And I've been, I'm about to, to buy one of her other books. So it's just so empowering. I'm like, okay, I could be a badass mom. you
0: know? <laughs> totally. That's really important. Right. And sometimes it, it does take someone else giving you permission to do something or to feel something or to identify yes. As- As something you know to let you know that hey you can do both like you can do whatever you want Mm
1: -hmm. and like even like little pointers like i i think Mm -hmm. one of my suggestions was like waking up like at 5 a.m or waking up a little bit earlier and i realized that even doing that just three days out of the week for me them three extra or six extra hours i get i'm like oh okay i'm able to do this this do a little bit of reading, but definitely self-care has been a huge like game changer for me in private practice, professional life, personal life, all of that. Yeah, I totally mm-hmm. agree.
0: Before we wrap up, are there any other like words of wisdom or messages that you might want to share to our listeners in terms of private practice or anything else really? I think I would tell
1: anyone to first of all, like you determine what you want your future to look like. You know what I mean? Sometimes we are easy to give up on something because it seems too hard, or oh, everybody else is doing it, or oh, what's the need base? Like someone said to me, you know, there's there's a variety of different bread brands in the grocery store, right? You have Dave's Killer, you have Wonder Bread, this and that. I may like this thing and somebody may may like a different flavor. So I think it's important to know what am I able to offer that's going to align with someone. Like I'm very big on mindful practice or fun-based therapy and stuff like that. Uh, And also I would add to that is no matter where you're from, if you are a foreigner or whatever it may be, like you're able to make a huge impact and align yourself with the life that you want.
0: Yeah. That's something that that we were talking about before we actually started recording was that you wanted to make sure that people who are listening know that, you know, being born outside of the U S that you can come to the U S and you can start your own business just like you have done. And I think that message is really important. Yes, I definitely think that's, and I, I don't feel like I've, I sometimes hear that as
1: much as I want to in our profession. I think I hear that a lot with other businesses or company. Like I, I love listening or reading about other successful businesses. When it comes to like being a speech therapist, I don't really see a lot of international people in certain roles it just seems like, you know, it's kind of one area, one country, or one state, whatever it may be. But I think that being, quote unquote, immigrant or a foreigner doesn't count you out. It's not a, okay, well, you can't do this because you're that or whatever it may be. I think that's when you rise to the occasion. It's like, okay, I'm going to make sure that I go ahead and, and work hard. And, and I think that's the big thing. I remember when I was younger, I would say, you know, I'm going to just pray about it. And, you know, praying is good. Of course, no, God, God is good. (laughs) I just also think that you have to, you have to put in that work, you know, it's necessary. So,
0: yeah. Well, and I think that that's just a really important message about, about picking a goal and Mm -hmm. then just deciding I'm going to work toward that goal. Right. And, you know, people can have different circumstances and they can either choose to let those circumstances Make them question or stop them or whatever, or you can say, you know what, doesn't matter. I've got a goal and I'm going to make it happen. A hundred and ten
1: percent. Like I always share with just a few of my friends. I can't. I come from a household where my dad was a notorious drug dealer, right? And my mom was a single parent. And I remember thinking, and we grew up in the hood, or you know, like they say. And I remember thinking, okay. Like, am I going to be able to be one of those people who are able to go away to school? Who was able to, and my, my biggest thing was once I was able to purchase a house, I feel like I would have made it, you know? And once I was able to do it, I felt like, okay, well, I'm living my dream, not the American dream, but, you know, my dream of being able to have security, like a house always meant security for me. Always, not even a million. Dollars. Just like, once I have a house, I feel security. But I definitely think like that's just something that, in general, it's not. How how can I say? I'm trying. To, I'm trying to put together the words. Sometimes like, we don't realize how much our upbringing or our backgrounds really do shape the things that we want or the things that we end up doing.
0: Yeah, I think that that's a really important message. And and thank mm-hmm. you for reminding you know me and the listeners that this isn't talked about enough within our profession. There is really that kind of people talk about the American dream, you know, come to the U.S. and start a business and whatever. But there does need to be more attention in the field of speech language pathology about diversity in general, but Mm -hmm. also in terms of of starting businesses. Right. Not just coming into the profession. Obviously, we again, we need more diversity and we need more ASHA to do more for that. And we as clinicians can be doing more for that too. But I think we also need to be making sure that people know that you can start your own private practice in your own company as a minority SLP. Yes,
1: 150%. And thank you for that's That's what I was looking for, minority. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, 100%, 100%. And I, and I hope to really see that even more because I, I think that a lot of times, like, you know, I know even when I was in in grad school, I think I was fortunate enough to go to uh, HBCU, you know, and get that experience there. My undergrad was a much different experience, but I'm grateful that I got the experience of both, but I hope to see more diversity, you know, as time progresses.
0: Yeah. That's why I also like to highlight lots of different voices on this podcast, right? The whole point is to show people what is possible listeners i'm i'm not always as transparent about this as i need to be but the point of the podcast the sole point of this podcast is to show you what is possible and tonight you have learned a wonderful story of what has been possible for elon and i'm just so excited to hear you know what you've been able to do and i look forward to seeing what comes next in your next chapters for your practice and for your life with your family.
1: Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for having me. Like this has been almost like a little dream. Like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be in a podcast with an independent clinician, like, you know? So thank you. And thank you for allowing people like me to voice our opinions and, you know, to share our backgrounds and our stories. It's, it's definitely greatly
0: appreciated. Absolutely. So tell people again one more time where they can connect with you on Instagram.
1: Oh, I am at Nali,
0: N A L E Jolie, or at the Speech Toolbox on Instagram. Fabulous. So follow her, maybe send her a DM and say, hey, I heard you on the podcast and what your, your biggest takeaway was. But again, thank you for your time, for sharing your story and your insights and just being an inspiration to all SLPs who are trying to figure out. How to start a private practice and also have that balance with your family. So, thank you mm-hmm. so much because that's really, really important too. Thank you. I appreciate it. So, how much do you love Ilan? I loved her energy. I loved just her story, right? She grew up in a difficult situation, as she shared, and she has been able to take control over her situation and really thrive in private practice. She shared some wonderful lessons in terms of, you know, the time when she was working and she wasn't like kind of maybe, you know, she admitted she wasn't giving her best effort. And sometimes that happens, right? Sometimes we are in a job or in a position where we're we're kind of just getting by. And one of the reasons why that happens is because we are not inspired by the work that we're doing. And a lot of times people start not being as inspired by the work they are doing for others. And then when they start their own private practice, they are re-inspired to do the work for themselves and for their own clients. So if this is something that you want to do, if you want to start a private practice just like Elon did, then head over to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash webinar and sign up for my free training where I go through the ins and outs of starting a private practice. I lay out the steps so that you will know exactly what the process is for getting started, and then you can grow into a more established private practitioner like Elon. Remember, private practice is for everyone, right? Everyone can do it. Now, you know, skill set-wise, you know, not everyone can have a private practice, right? Like there are, you know, different things about it that some people like and some people don't like. But this is just my friendly reminder that if you're listening and you're not sure if you can be successful in private practice. Well, you can if you have the right information and the right tools in order to be successful. So your first step to figuring that out is to go watch this free training. It lasts about an hour and you can watch it over at startyourprivatepractice.com backslash webinar. As always, thank you for joining us and we will see you next week with another private practice success story.
1: I decided to invest in the Start Your Private
0: Practice program because I honestly had no idea where to start. <laughs> and I just didn't really have the confidence or the know-how to be able to do that. So it was really nice to have a system that was all set up for me, I didn't have to reinvent the wheel or start from scratch, it was all there for me. And I was able to land a client within about the first week and a half of me going public with my private practice. So now I
1: have 12 clients. It is. An invigorating and amazing
0: experience if you want help to start your speech therapy private practice then head on over to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist so that you will be notified as soon as we reopen the doors to the start your private practice system again that's startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist i cannot wait to help you start your private practice